A faith-strengthening edition of Abounding Grace is up next. Don't walk around, followers of Christ, as unbelieving believers, but rather trust Him. That today God's intention is for your faith to be built. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The good news that your life can be changed and the good news that your life has been changed. That when the Bible says that you're a new creation in Christ, old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new, it's true. Now live by faith in the power of God in your life. Live by faith that when he says he's holding on to you, nobody will snatch you from the Father's hands, that he's holding on to you. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. People, by and large, want to know the future. I mean, just look at the people that flock to fortune tellers and mediums or look to the stars as evidence of that. But everything we need to know about the future is in the Bible. And here's the great thing. Unlike those fortune tellers, God never gets it wrong. Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor will explain why we can trust in the God who knows the future. Our study is based in John 19:24, but we'll start off in Isaiah. Isaiah 44, verse 6, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me there is no God. And who can proclaim as I do? Then let him declare it and set it in order for me. Since I appointed the ancient people and the things that are coming and shall come, let them show these to me. He says, who can proclaim like I do? Who can say in advance what I say and watch it come to pass? Notice chapter 46, verse 10. Isaiah 46, verse 10. Pick up really in verse 8 for context. Remember this and show yourselves men. Recall to mine, O you transgressors, verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there's none like me, verse 10. Declaring the end from the beginning... And from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Look at chapter 48 now, verse 3. Chapter 48, verse 3. God speaking through Isaiah. He says, I have declared the former things from the beginning. They went out from my mouth, and I caused them to hear it. And notice, suddenly I did them. Suddenly I did them and they came to pass. See, God not only can predict the future, he can accomplish it too. <laughs> he can't, he's not just speak forth the future, he makes it happen because he's God. And it should be comforting to us today in a very real way. Here we are in Aurora, Colorado, in the United States of America, on the planet Earth, the North American continent, in the Milky Way in the solar system that we're in to know that God is faithful. God is faithful. There it is in your laps. The Bible opened up in your hand on your phone perhaps or your iPad 
and a language that you can understand and act upon. And even for those of you that have a hard time reading, maybe you, you didn't learn how to read in school because of the circumstances of your life, or you have a reading disability like, like dyslexia, or whatever, whatever that might be, God even has created a verbal. There, there are free ways that the Bible can be read to you. And some of you, God is even restoring your mind so you can understand more because of... I mean, God loves you so much that He has reserved His Word for us that even if heaven and earth pass away, God says, Jesus tells us, my word's not going to go anywhere. It's settled in heaven. We haven't been born again, Peter says, of a corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God that lives and abides forever. God's word. It, is it because, is it because you've neglected the word of God in your life that you're facing so much right now? Have you ever considered that? Is it? Is it, is it because you've stepped away from God's solid word that you're so confused right now? You haven't let God speak that into your life. You haven't let God define reality for you from his perspective. Is it possible that you listening to me today have so neglected the word of God that it's very difficult for you to even remember something about the word of God when tough times come? Is it? I think it's worth considering I know even, I know that there are many that, that, that walk away from the Bible because, well, it's so hard, it's so difficult, it's so difficult. And, and I would say on one hand, in the spiritual realm, you decide to, to be a man or a woman of the Bible, then it's just going to be constant stuff coming against you to get you out of the Bible. Some of you don't understand the Bible because you don't have spiritual life in you. you don't, you're not alive to God. So the Bible is a closed book to you. The Bible is just a witness to you in that case of the love of God and God uses his word to bring conviction in your life so that today might be the day you give your life to Jesus Christ and you repent of your sin. But others of you, you're just using it as an excuse. Oh, the Bible's so hard to understand. The Bible's so hard to understand. Let me concede to you that there are definitely parts of the Bible that are hard to understand. I mean, there are times where I have to spend a considerable amount of hours in study to unpack a verse and to really get to the root of what the words mean, the context, what, what, it, what is really God saying to the audience so we can bring it in now to the 21st century. I concede that. There are many passages that are hard to understand. But I'm going to ask you to concede something to me, okay? There are a lot of passages in the Bible that are easy to understand, for example, you open up the Bible, you come right to the very first thing it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's easy to understand. I don't, I don't get it, Ed. What do you mean? God created. God created. That means you didn't create. That means I didn't create. And if you read just a few verses down, he created everything. And he starts thinking, and you read just a few verses down, you're going to learn that God created man in his own image. You're going to learn that you are, you are the crown jewel of God's creation. And God, as you keep reading, you learn, you learn about this word love. You keep reading, you'll learn, you'll come to this verse. It'll say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And you kind of think, you know, the world, who's that? Everyone. Well, you know, the world can't be the globe. So it has to be me. I'm a part of the world. Are you telling me God loves me? Yes. And that if I believe in him, I won't perish? 
but I'll enjoy everlasting life? Yeah. Now, learning what everlasting life is may take some time. Learning what the love of God is might take some time. But I'm asking you to concede to me, you skeptic and critic of the Bible, that you have been laying it aside because you think it's so much that's hard to understand. I would encourage you to, to pay attention to the things that you do understand. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God, sent by the Father to serve you and to love you and to care for you, just like he did, to sacrifice his life for you. Why, why, would, an innocent man die? why would an innocent man die? Well, the Bible says why. So that your sins and mine would be forgiven and the guilt of shame of our rebellion against God would be removed and he would restore to you life as it is intended. Knowing God can predict the future is encouraging to us. Because he knows the future, we can trust him. For those that put down the study of prophecy, whether it's Revelation or Daniel or Ezekiel, uh, we've done Bible studies verse by verse all throughout Revelation, all throughout Daniel. They're all available online. I would encourage you, if that's a curiosity, because you know what happens is the cults and false religions, they get hooked, they, they take prophecy, because everybody wants to know the future. That, that seems to be a universal thing among you. What's the future going to hold? Will I get that job? Well, who will I marry? Where will I live? If it's even just those simple things to the broader things in life, it seems everybody has a sense of wanting to know the future. And cults and false teachers have capitalized on that and taken the Bible, twisted it all around, and, and has some, some of the weirdest things in the world that they attribute to the Bible, and people just get hooked in on it. And one reason people get hooked in on it is because pastors and leaders are not teaching the whole counsel of God. They're not teaching prophecy. Instead, they're putting it down. And so why are you guys teaching prophecy? And, and we even get those accusations here. Why do you spend so much on I'll tell you why we spend so much time on prophecy. One quarter of the Bible is prophecy. 25% of the Bible is prophecy. 20% of the scriptures were predictive at the time that they were written. And I think it's a neglect of the study of prophecy that has produced so much problems in the church and outside of the church. Pastors don't want to teach prophecy. Instead, the church today has, and not every church, there's a lot of great churches, not just Calvary's either, a lot of great churches, even in our town, teaching verse by verse through the Bible. That's known as expository teaching. And for those pastors listening in that do that, we are happy and satisfied and want, give your people the word of God. But you know what? Most churches have become entertainment centers. A big show with the worship team that actually they hire people to play in the worship team that aren't even walking with the Lord. They hire unbelievers to lead the church in worship. That doesn't make any sense to me. And then instead of going through the whole Bible with their church, it's got this topic over here, how to be a good person here, how to give here. And their topics are good. I don't, I don't disagree with that. But God gave a lot more in his scriptures than the four or five topics that churches go through all the time. And it, I know for some of you it really doesn't apply. And you wonder sometimes why I mention these things. I'll tell you. Because I, I want to stir up love and good works among the pastors and the leaders that listen to the radio. I want them to hear that it's important to get back to the word of God. That it's important to open it up and start in Genesis to say, let's study the Bible together. Let's go through and make sure the whole counsel of God is shared. And, and no matter what people say, because immediately a pastor or a leader go, well, if I do that, then my church will empty. No, no, it actually won't. It actually won't. The exact opposite will happen. You will equip the saints for the work of the ministry. 
And you will challenge them by the love of God. And if anyone takes the Bible in hand to read it, so if you read, if you've chosen to read the Bible through in one year, 25% of the time you're reading prophecy. If you've decided to teach the Bible all the way through, 25% of your messages are going to be on the topic of prophecy or is going to cover a prophecy. As we see right here in John 19, why are we talking about prophecy today? Because right at the cross, those soldiers in their everyday life, they just went to work that day. They didn't wake up the morning and go, I think I'm going to fulfill God's prophecy today. They have no concern with the things of God. They just went to work doing their job. And as a man is hanging on the cross, they are gambling for his clothes. Why? Because God said they would. That's why. They may think they're just gambling for clothes like they always do. Not so. God said this would happen. That's why it's happening. Now, did he say these particular soldiers? No. If a soldier called in sick, the next guy that came in would do the same thing. Why? Because God said so. You can trust him. It's powerful to consider. Prophecy is important. If you're a pastor or an elder in the church today listening in, teach the church the way the Bible teaches through prophecy so that we don't miss it. If you're going to study the scriptures, teach the word, you're going to spend a lot of time talking about prophecy. It's the only holy book that dares to do so. That dares to do so. No other religious writings dare to jump into this arena with 100% accuracy. Why? Because they can't. They can't. And it's one of the main reasons why you can trust the Bible. It was in, prophecy was important to Jesus, of course. Turn over to Luke chapter 4 and let me show you. Right in the very beginning of the ministry of Jesus Christ, we're already in the realm of prophecy. Right here in the city of Nazareth, Luke chapter 4, a very familiar passage. Luke chapter 4, pick up in verse 16, where Jesus, it says, comes into Nazareth, where he grew up, as the custom was, his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. So the scrolls were given to him, and the daily reading that was prescribed was in Isaiah. He opened it up, found the place, and says, in verse 18, this is what it says in Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Isaiah 61. We've studied this in depth. And usually the way that we approach it is, this is the ministry of Jesus. This is what he's doing through us now. All of these characteristics of Messiah is still happening now. And it's a wonderful Bible study, and it's very encouraging. But let me give you another aspect of this. Jesus comes into Nazareth, where he grew up, goes into the synagogue, very familiar. And the very first message that he teaches, well, notice this, verse 20. He closes the book gives it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say, today scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And all bore witness to him, marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? The very first message and gracious words that Jesus share is fulfilled prophecy. That's what he teaches them. You know this verse? You guys read this verse? You know Isaiah 61? It's fulfilled. And the very first thing he does to catch someone's attention is to reveal to them fulfilled prophecy. It's just exciting to think of God who steps outside of time and space, because he is outside. He's omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. 
He declares specific predictions and events that will not happen for hundreds and sometimes thousands of years. He spoke of crucifixion before it was even invented, before man even thought of that evil deed. God predicted it would be so. Prophecy is the true calling card of God. In Ezekiel 12, 25, he says, I speak and the word which I speak will come to pass. You can trust him on it. Prophecy makes us scratch our heads and yet also brings us to our knees in worship that God would be so gracious to us. So in his first coming, Jesus fulfills about, somebody counted it, 332 prophecies. Born in Bethlehem of a virgin, betrayed by 30 pieces of silver, riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, his clothes being ripped up at the cross, him hanging on the cross, all of his 332. But one man by the name of Peter Stoner, who wrote in a book entitled Science Speaks, computed the coincidence of the scientific probability that any one person fulfilling just eight biblical prophecies, he concluded that the, that the number of that happening would be one times 10 to the 17th power, or one in one and then 17 zeros after that. And in order to help us comprehend this, he gives this illustration, that if we took one times 10 to the 17th power silver dollars, that many silver dollars, they would cover the entire state of Texas two feet deep, silver dollars. Now, that's a hard thing to conceive even in this illustration. So let's just drill it down a little bit and consider this small room. This small room to be filled with silver dollars two feet high. Just this little room. Not the state of Texas, but just this little room. And, and this room is filled with silver dollars. And we took one silver dollar and we painted it red. And then threw it in the mix and stirred it all up. And I asked for a volunteer. And everybody's raising their hand. Okay, well, no, I want you to find the red silver dollar. So we bring you up, the volunteer. We blindfold you. And we tell you, walk through the room and pick one silver dollar. The probability of that happening covering the state of Texas is 1 times 10 to the 17th power. It's mind-blowing. Now, of course, you math experts are all processing all the math, and you're digging this right now. The rest of us, we're overwhelmed. It's overwhelming to think, even in a small room like this, which wouldn't possibly cover the kind of statistical probability of one man fulfilling just eight biblical prophecies precisely to the point. One times 10. One times 10 to the 17th power. Jesus fulfilled not eight, not 16, not 32 or 64, but 332. Why? Because Peter, an eyewitness, would put it this way, that we have a more sure word of prophecy. That's the old King James. In the new King James, he says that we have the prophetic word confirmed, that God, the author of our Bibles, tells us that he loves us, that he loved you from the beginning of time. He tells us that his love is everlasting. He invites you to trust him today with your problems, with your issues, with your concerns. Don't walk around, followers of Christ, as unbelieving believers, but rather trust him. That today God's intention is for your faith to be built. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The good news that your life can be changed and the good news that your life has been changed. 
that when the Bible says that you're a new creation in Christ, old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new, it's true. Now live by faith in the power of God in your life. Live by faith that when he says he's holding on to you, nobody will snatch you from the Father's hands, that he's holding on to you. When he gives us the, the story of the prodigal son as an illustration and an important, an important instruction of how we're to feel about the, our kids that may have walk, walked away from the Lord, that we, like the Father, need to keep praying for them to come back, looking forward to the day that you get to run to them when you see them. Why did God put that in there for you? So you might trust him with your kids and trust him with your grandkids, trust him with your parents and with your friends and your neighbors. Some of the most satisfied, some of the most happy and content people that I've ever met are men and women that read the Bible, believe it, and act on it. Obeying God at his word. And one of the biggest evidences that you can trust the Bible is that it's filled with predictive prophecy. As you're a reader and a hearer and the doer of God's word, your obedience bringing such great blessing into your lives. Read ahead. Give God a chance to encourage you. If you have neglected the word of God in your life, please repent. Come back to his love letter to you. Come back to, man, God, what do you have for me today? Be careful not to get caught up in all the secondary arguments and knowledge puffs up, but love, you know, all the things that knowledge puffs up. We're not here primarily for knowledge's sake. We gather together around God's word and he exercises the gift of teaching or pastor teacher for the sake of knowledge turning into action that leads to transformation in your life and mine. That you might be transformed by the renewing of your mind, washed and cleansed and changed. Well, we've been in the Gospel of John today on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is leading us verse by verse through the book. To hear today's study again, just visit our website, AboundingGraceRadio.com. There you'll find our podcast, Pastor Ed's blog, a place to contact us and even donate to the ministry as the Lord leads. Again, that's AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to grow on the go is to download our free app, do a search for Ed Taylor and listen to Pastor Ed when it's most convenient. Pastor Ed is back with me now. And Ed, as you know, a good number of people are going to psychics or looking to the stars in an effort to discover the future. Is that something the Christian should engage in? Or does the Bible forbid that kind of thing? Well, you know, Larry, the Bible couldn't be clearer on this topic that witchcraft and sorcery and astrology and psychics are absolutely unequivocally forbidden. It sounds like I shouldn't even have to say that, but it's very clear. Our relationship is with the Lord. He has insight. He's the one to seek. We're to go to Him with our needs. We're to go to Him for wisdom. The Bible says to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and lean not on our own understanding. Acknowledge him in all our ways, and he'll direct our paths. And so he alone knows the future. Psychics do not know the future. And any, anything other than guessing or mind games or people manipulation if they, is, is going into the demonic realm. And we want to stay away from the demonic realm. If you have a pressing issue, let me just say this as we head out. 
If you have a pressing issue, take it to the Lord in prayer. He's faithful. He'll take care of you. You can rely upon him. And don't be ripped off or taken advantage of of so-called psychics that know the future. They don't. They're just guessing or they're messing around in the demonic realm and you want to stay away from them. Oh, that's very helpful. Thanks, Pastor Ed. And this month, we've picked out a book we think you'll enjoy. It would even make a great gift or a stocking stuffer. It's The Case for Christmas by Lee Strobel. Sort of like a journalist, Lee Strobel investigates the identity of the child in the manger, focusing on the hows and whys of Christmas. It'll serve to reaffirm your faith and help seekers pursue solid answers about the first coming of Christ. We'll send it your way when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Please remember this radio ministry is made possible through the generous support of listeners like you. And we'd appreciate it if you'd remember us in your year-end giving to the Lord. To request The Case for Christmas, please call toll-free 877-30-GRACE or visit us online at calvaryco.store. Again, that's calvaryco.store. Glad you've taken time out for our study in the Gospel of John. We'll pick up where we left off next time we get together on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.